Welcome to I'm Fine, You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford. Hello, and welcome to I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline New York. Maybelline's Brave Together initiative is dedicated to breaking the stigma around anxiety and depression while addressing challenges and providing resources to those in need. Hi, I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling this mission into real-life conversations to help normalize the mental health conversation and provide tangible resources and guidance for anyone who needs a mental health boost. To provide mental health resources, Maybelline New York will make a monetary donation to mental health organizations in conjunction with each episode. Today, I'm joined by writer and comedian Elise Myers. Elise has been deemed the internet's best friend as she continues to serve her audience of more than 5 million with her relatable stories, twisted Q&As over coffee, and by finding the extraordinary and seemingly ordinary moments, all while creating a space to shine light on what makes life fun, though sometimes downright painful. Elise also acts as an advocate for countless topics such as body image, ADHD, anxiety, imposter syndrome, and so much more by allowing herself to be seen in a relentlessly unfiltered and genuine way. And she joins me now to talk all about using humor to heal and so much more. Welcome, Elise. Thank you. Welcome, Chrissy. I don't know why I said that. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so, so excited to talk to you today. I'm such a fan of your content. Thank you so much. We made it. I like that we're matching too. That makes me happy. Yes. Love it. Although you're on the West Coast, right? So I assume it's warm where you are. I am not on the West Coast. I am oh. in Omaha, Nebraska. So I'm central oh. Midwest. Okay, central. Is that where you've always lived? No. So I originally was born in California and then I moved pretty much all around the world when I was 18. Then I got into a long distance relationship with someone that was moving to the Midwest. And I was like, well, I kind of want to marry you. So I guess we'll go to the Midwest. And then we got married and came here. But I actually love it. Honestly, I never felt like I belonged in California. So I feel like I was meant for the Midwest. It's just, it's my vibe. The simple life. Yeah. Yeah. It's slower. It's like cheaper. You can buy a house. People are just slower, like at a slower pace, not slow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Slower pace. <laughs> yes. Which is why I'm in London, because I was living in New York City, and being in London now is so nice, because you get that big city feeling, but much, much slower pace of life. So what exactly, like, is it just the fact that people not living in New York aren't always in a rush? Is that, like, you get the feel of the city, but without being in a rush? Yeah, it's, like, a little less chaotic. That makes sense. And just, like, people, like, I don't know, there's just, like, such a frantic energy. I was actually just back in New York last week for New York Fashion Week, and it was just... I was like, oh my God, this is too intense for me now. Like I've been gone for three months and now I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to like go back to that kind of life. I could ask you a million questions about fashion week, but that's not what this is about. So I will save <laughs> no, it's for not. another time. <laughs> we'll talk We'll talk another time. Okay. <laughs> so your comedy has brought laughter to millions and millions of people, but I know that comedy wasn't actually your first full-time career. So I want to know what was it like for you to actually leave your job as a web developer to pursue your passion for writing and comedy, which like requires like some guts and like some real belief in yourself, right? Yeah, honestly, I, the transition kind of happened for me. I think that I, I've, I loved running my own business. I'm somebody that 
isn't afraid to kind of like work to the point where she's not sleeping, but like to my detriment, I've just always been that person (laughs) that like, I start a business, I sell the business, I start a new business. Like I'm not somebody that starts something and abandons it. And so I have always been that person. So when this opportunity came, I, you know, was doing the full-time web development. My husband quit his job to stay home with our son and we both were working out of the house. And I was in that natural rhythm of doing things like a nine to five and doing like all the small details. And then when I started making content and people started connecting to it, I kind of got to this point where I had to decide like for my own mental health, for the health of my family, like Mm -hmm. where should I be allocating my time and what would be the healthiest decision for us? And we just found that like, why not take this awesome opportunity to do content full time and and write and create things, you know, more than just content. And it was like the best choice. It just felt so natural. And I think a lot of big decisions are made best when they feel that way, when they feel like the natural next step. And so it was scary, but it also was oddly not. I think that starting my web development business was much (laughs) scarier because it was the first time I felt like, Maybe I was out of my league a little bit with it, but with Mm -hmm. content, I'm like, oh, I've been writing my whole life. I didn't know that this could be a job. I just, I thought it was something that when you're good at it and you love it, it's like, oh, I guess it could just be a hobby because I'm having so much fun. I shouldn't, I don't deserve to be paid for this. (laughs) So it, uh, yeah, it was definitely an, one of the easier transitions I've been through, which is really great. Yeah. And I think it can also be like a little scary just because I think when you have creative passions, you're like, wait, can I make money off of this? Yeah. Or you don't realize what you're good at compared to other people. I think that when something comes naturally to you and you enjoy it, you don't realize that every single person isn't born with that innate skill to creatively write or to edit or, you know, all that stuff. And so I think that you take a lot of that for granted when you're naturally good in a creative area. And then to monetize it is even scarier because you're like, well, I don't want to lose the gift it is to be able to do it for fun and for myself. So when you make it a job a lot of the time it can kind of take the love and passion out of it. And so you have to yeah. constantly just find ways to make it something you still enjoy doing, even if you weren't, as if you weren't, you know, getting paid to do it. Yeah. Cause I also think it's like such a myth when people are like, oh, you know, if you make your passion, your yeah. career, like you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Like love what you do. You'll never work a day <laughs> in your life. Like that's just not true. Sadly. No, not if you're running a business, not, I think that that could be true if like you were being maybe like contracted out for things on the side, but even that it's like, there's no real way to be successful at what you do and not have to like do things you don't want to do. Like even I love editing, but the editing process is incredibly tedious Mm -hmm. and you want to quit the whole time and you think you're the worst at it. And then all of a sudden (laughs) halfway through, you're like, actually, maybe I'll keep going. And then you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then it just constantly evolves into just that over and over and over again. So yeah, you're right. That saying is actually not real, but it's okay. It helps sometimes. It helps when deciding, you know, what you want to do. But when you're actually in it, you're like, I was lied to. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, because I'm like, I worked in fashion for, you know, so many years. And that was my absolute dream job. Always wanted to work in magazines. Yeah. I achieved that. And I was at my last job for almost nine years. But still, it got to a point where I was like, I don't know that this really makes me happy anymore. Yeah. How did you make that decision to kind of transition into something else? It was really hard. It took me years. Really? It took me years to like actually jump ship because I was working at Harper's Bazaar. And obviously it's one of the greatest fashion magazines. And as I said, it was my dream job. And 
actually like walking away from such a big name and then like to do something on my own. And I'm like, I'm just Chrissy Rutherford. Like, you know, (laughs) so it's It's a big deal. Again, it's like you have to have a lot of belief in yourself and, you know, your skill set and your capabilities and know that you're going to figure it out no matter what. And so, yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I had some money saved up. So, you know, I, I felt like I took a very calculated risk. Yeah. I think that that's the best way to do it. I think that, you know, there is a time and a place to jump without a safety net and to just go for it. But I think that when you get to a certain point in your life, it also can be a little reckless, Mm -hmm. especially for me. I have a family, right? I can't afford that kind of risk anymore in my life. And so you have to kind of have some things going into it where you're like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I do know there's something else I can go do. And I do know that's a privilege to be able to have a backup plan as well. (laughs) But like, I think that you just have to work to the point where you do have something you could pivot to because you know, at 18, I could have totally, I, I did. I sold everything I knew, owned and moved to Australia and was like, wow, I'll figure it out. But you can't do that <laughs> when you're 29 and have a child and a husband and like a whole, a whole group of people to feed. So sure. it's different. It really is. Yeah. And just, I think as you get older too, just taking risks feels so much scarier than when you're yeah. like, okay, you're 24, you try this one thing, eh, it doesn't really work. Yeah. I'm going to try something else. It's just, especially yeah. when it's in front of millions of people. <laughs> I I had so many people just watching me go through that transition and and people still think that I work as a web developer because they just haven't like figured out that this is a full-time thing yet. I'm very open about the fact that it's full-time, but sometimes someone won't see a certain video or whatever of me explaining it. And of course it's just wild to see people like watch you go through that online and be like, oh my gosh, we've watched this from every step of the way. Like some people that were, you know, around from the beginning, they're like, we've seen you from your first video until now. And just watching that progression, you feel like you're afraid to mess up because you don't want to let anyone down. And it's just, it's wild to go through it in such a public way. Yeah. There's so much pressure. When did you post your first TikTok? I believe it was the summer of 21. So it was like oh, June 21. of last oh, okay. summer. Yeah. Okay. So I, I started posting cause I was uh, still in like the postpartum phase of my son and I was struggling with a lot of like postpartum, like depression and anxiety. And mm-hmm. I felt like I used to be this really funny person. And I would just like <laughs> think of this funny person I used to be, you know, that sound on TikTok where it's like, Jesse. Oh, Jesse. I don't know how it goes, but like, you're like, you're thinking of the person that you used to be. Right. Yeah. And I was like, who, like, how do I get back to her? I miss her so much. And like, I just felt like I didn't know who I was kind of in this new season of motherhood. And like, I found that I slowly, but surely was like remembering these little nuanced ways of thinking about sound bites the way that I used to before TikTok even existed. And Mm -hmm. so I just started getting, when I was like awake in the morning at like 4am, I would, I would pop my phone up and start recording those. And immediately people just loved them. And it was so (laughs) wild to me. I'm like, I used to be funny. This is great. I'm doing it. Like she's coming back. And you genuinely like watch from the start of my content till now, like me just like remember who I used to be and like grow back into myself. And I think that to me has been the most powerful thing because it was like something that I used to like heal myself through that, you know, that season. And yeah. um, I just continue to kind of do that with my content, which has been really cool. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. And one of the things I love about your content is how extraordinarily open and vulnerable mm-hmm. you are. How big of a challenge is that for you to like put yourself out there like that? Honestly, 
I know the answer people want from that question is so hard, but I think like, (laughs) I think that it would be more difficult for me because I've always like, I've always wanted to show up as myself. I think it'd be more difficult for me to like put a persona on if anything, like I just, it's so easy to not lie and to just present yourself as you are and let people receive it. I always joke about how sometimes people have the idea that I like tell stories that are untrue or like exaggerate them. And it's like, (laughs) I totally understand if I was not me, I understand like why people would think that. And but like you come with the receipts. Like oh, I love that's that you why always, I do. It's like I love that you always have the photo to pull out. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> always. And I have so many more. But like my I always tell my husband, like, man, I don't know how I would sleep at night if those stories weren't true. Like, do you know how many questions on a daily basis I get about those stories? Like, and how I would have to remember like which lies I told. I would have to have like a whole notebook. Like, I don't know how people do it. Like and not that everyone's lying all the time, but just like, no, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up with like an image that I was like putting out. And so I really love that I get to be myself and I don't have to second guess, you know, what I post or how I feel. And the response from people has just been magic. Like seeing people see themselves in me and feeling confident to be themselves because I am myself. And like, it's just been the coolest. I feel so grateful that I get to watch this response from people. It's like, oh my gosh, you just don't realize what you're doing for people when you're honest about who you are. Completely. Yeah. It's very cool. I know. I always say like, it feels like it requires a lot of energy to like have a persona or or alter yourself for social media in some way. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of energy. I don't. I would rather spend that energy editing, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And like, there's always going to be an aspect that is, you know, like, different from when someone meets you in person versus your videos, but of course, but like as honest as you can be in your content, I just think it serves everybody well to do that. And the number one thing I get from people when they meet me in person is like, I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe you would be different, but it's exactly what I thought. And, I, and that always <laughs> makes me so happy. Cause I'm like, that's my goal. Like, it's I the want best you to see me. Yeah. I want you to see me at Walmart and be like, Oh, she does shop at Walmart. Okay, cool. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so also in your videos, you've obviously become an advocate for mental wellness. And what made you decide to speak up on like a wide variety of issues, whether it's like body image, ADHD, anxiety, imposter syndrome. Yeah. You do it all. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think a lot of the times when I had seen that kind of content be posted about, it's always very like a huge deal. Like people will talk about it in a way that is like, this is all I talk about. And this is every piece of content. And this is my whole account. And I used to make content like that before I became who people know me as like online, like other previous accounts on Instagram. I used to have like solely mental health content. And like, I found that the only people that were engaging with that were people that were already looking for it, like that were already on the journey of like figuring out their mental health. I was not finding it and connecting with people that maybe didn't understand that they needed the assistance to kind of talk about it in real life. Mm -hmm. And So I just made a very like, I don't know if it was like super conscious, but I just, I kind of understood that in order for mental health to feel normal and for that conversation to not feel like it's like this clinical, bizarre, cold thing that I just, I just had to include it in my day-to-day content. It wasn't like this sole focus. It was like, 
I, I say it a lot where it's like, I just want it to feel as normal as talking about the weather because mm-hmm. it's a feeling we have. Like you got stressed in a meeting, you had a panic attack. I had pizza for lunch. And then like, I'm going to go home and like have a bath. Like there's, <laughs> it's just, I feel like it should feel more comfortable than it does. And so the yeah. more I can talk about it that way, I think that it helps people in their own like minds, like process things and that internal like dialogue they have in their own head. They'll hear my voice and mm-hmm. and understand that it's okay to just talk about it like lightly. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I think for me, like in my past life as an editor, it was really important for me to talk about my mental health struggles because I work in this like really glamorous and exciting industry and people see me like traveling and I'm at parties with celebrities, et cetera. But I really wanted people to understand, like, listen, I still struggle, even Mm -hmm. though things look really cool and fun all the time. Like it's not. Yeah, well- that industry too, especially, I feel like it's not meant to be real. I think that it's actually meant to be beautiful and polished and styled. And like, so it's not this thing that people are going to get and understand immediately. It's like a whole world, like the fashion right. world and all of that is just so vastly different. And so, yeah, they probably wouldn't understand that there's like a whole actual real life going on around it, adjacent to the fashion world that is made up of all the people that do the fashion world, but isn't the fashion world, you know? So I I for sure feel like that would just get very confusing as to like, what is me? What is my job? What is the like description of what I'm doing in terms of like going on a vacation or for work? You know, I just feel like that would get messy. So it'd be hard to distinguish what is real and not. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're also a mom to a little boy, right? Yes, little August. Which obviously like adds a whole other layer of stress and anxiety to life. Yeah. Is there such thing as balance for you? Like how do you juggle work, family, and taking care of your own mental wellness? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that whenever you own a business or are like an entrepreneur or you are like a freelancer, anything that's not like a standard nine to five, you have a boss corporate world. Mm -hmm. People joke that like, when you make your own hours, it's all the hours. Like good job. It's literally all of them now. Good job. Like it's so it's, it's very difficult to find the balance. And when you work from home and all of that, like a lot of people who were experiencing that during lockdown, like what is work and what is home? I have found that I have had to put very strict boundaries around my time. And so I've actually found an office that's outside of home now. So I go to the office, you know, at, I think it's like eight o'clock. I try and be here by, and I leave at four and I genuinely work during my work hours and I'm home when I'm at home and compartmentalizing that has been very powerful for me. And I know that sounds so basic, but I think that the idea that you are available 24 seven makes you seem more desirable in your job. And it's actually the complete opposite because you then don't get to be laser focused in anything that you're doing and you're Mm -hmm. not effective at rest, like you're not resting effectively. You're not like having a personal time to fill back up so that you can be really good at your job when you go back. And I've found that I used to think boundaries with my time was selfish and unproductive. And it's actually the best thing I could possibly do for the content that I'm creating, for the people I'm working with and the projects that I'm completing. I have to be filled back up and I have to rest and my mind has to be right. And it's very interesting being known for like, advocating for mental health and speaking so much about it. And then there gets to a point where you have to do that in the actual workforce, like on a project, leading a meeting, being like, I can't do that. I feel anxious and I need to have a day. It's very easy to make content about it. It's actually really hard to do it in your day-to-day normal life. And 
I think that that's where finding the right fit for you, like a job and and the right team around you that understands and not only is happy with you making content and advocating for it, but actually putting it into play in real life. I think that that's a huge deal and it shouldn't be scary and it shouldn't feel awkward. It genuinely being able to say, look, I'm not available past 4 p.m. If that brand deal needs me to get back to them at eight tonight, like that's not my opportunity and that's okay. It's okay. And learning to say no and understanding that makes your yes so much stronger has been something that I have really had to learn and then relearn a million times in the last year. But I think in the entertainment industry, especially, it can get a little scary because you feel like if an opportunity passes you by, because so many people are operating in the mindset of like strike while the iron's hot, Mm -hmm. that can feel like you are just like always on the go and you never have a break. And I have very quickly just been like, you know what? That's not how I work. And so if people don't want to work with me because I don't take opportunities that seem like an obvious yes, but just aren't for my family and my schedule, that's okay. I'd rather just part ways now before like, you're really not going to like working with me because <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, and I, it's just unhealthy. And so, yeah, just trying to set that expectation of like, I cannot feel like everything is urgent or else literally nothing is going to be urgent anymore. Your brain just can't handle that much urgency. Nothing's an emergency anymore. If everything is an emergency, oh, it's exhausting. It is. I I know. And you bring up such a good point about like striking while the iron's hot. And I think even as we see what's going on in the creator world and it's like, oh, a new person like comes up and is having their moment and realistically, it's like no one can sustain a moment for forever. And so I think at the end of the day, it's like we each have to believe in the value of what we create and know that we're going to be able to evolve and have a long career, no matter whether like, you know, you're going viral every single day or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We in my house, we have a saying where it's like uh, we just hit singles. I think that this like culture of going viral has really skewed us on what means a lot and what is like worth celebrating. And I think that if we're not going viral every time, especially in the content creation world, when it's like, it feels like every video you post is a reset, like nothing builds on top of each other, especially like on TikTok and places like that, where it's like Mm -hmm. every video is a chance to go viral, which is awesome. It also is a chance to like, just fall more in love with what you do. It's a chance to get really good at something. It's a chance to test something. It's a chance to like make content that you love and that fills your soul. And then the outcome of it with how many eyeballs see it, that matters so much less than people understand. And like, I think just hitting singles and doing something that can sustain you. I want to be doing this in 20 years. I want to be making the people like money that I'm making money in 20 years from now. And and me and my family, like I love doing this and I just cannot handle getting burnt out. And I've been doing it for a year now. And I feel more excited about it now than I even did a year ago. And like, that's really cool. I'm so proud I can say that. And a year isn't a long time, but I think that I've set systems up in place where it'll allow me to kind of do it for the long haul. And so that's like what I want for people. Yeah. Also, congrats on being on the Forbes creator list. Gosh, thank you. So exciting. I didn't know that was happening. And I got that sent to me by a bunch of people. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, very, very cool. I was excited to see that. Thank you. Really amazing. So what does your self-care routine look like? Hmm, That's a good question. It's looked very different over the years of my life. Right Mm -hmm. now, it looks like waking up at four o'clock in the morning and (laughs) drinking a cup of coffee before anyone else wakes up. That is like 
the morning, I can't explain it. I can't recreate that time at any other time. I can't stay up late. I can't just like be alone. It's like, as soon as everyone else wakes up in the world, I feel like I can't have alone time, even if I'm alone. So that's been something that I've tried to protect and recreate as much as I can, but that's not always possible. And so another big thing I like to do is just find alone time when I can. And then every night I, (laughs) I bought a sauna from Costco, like four or three years ago. And it was like super sale, like Black Friday, I think, or what was it like a Christmas sale or something Yeah, where it was super cheap. And I almost don't like posting about it because people are going to look at it and think that I'm like bougie. You know what I mean? But I was like, I can't explain to you that I got this so cheap. So I, I sit in it every night and I just take a hot shower and then a cold shower after. And it's like, that's like the best. Wow. I know. A luxury. It, it is. So it's in my basement and everything around it is like, just a gross basement, but then you see this like sauna and it just is so out of place, but it's the only place I can plug it in and it won't like trip anything else. And right. every time I talk about it, people are like, you have a Mom. sauna in your house? Like how rich are you? And I'm like, no, it's not like that. I swear. <laughs> it was like a thousand dollars at Costco and I like saved up for it for like ever. And now that you can't get them like that, it's like right. Costco just increased it by like 10 times. And I'm like, why did you do that? Anyways, I I was tired of getting like hit on by old men at the gym. And I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm only going to the gym for the sauna. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm buying my own (laughs) sauna. I'm canceling my gym membership. You cancel your gym membership? Oh yeah. I only went for the sauna. Literally just for the sauna. Literally for the sauna. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I, I went for that and then the treadmill, but I built a treadmill desk. So I work, it's like, because I have really bad ADHD, I have to like walk while I work. So for a long time, I would write code and walk. Now I can't edit as easily with the treadmill desk because it takes a little bit of precision. Yeah. But yeah, so I would go for the treadmill and then the sauna. So now I'm like, cut the middleman out. I'm just going to go to my basement. (laughs) It's all good. You got all you need. Why ever yeah. leave the house? Why? I don't. That you, I don't. I get my groceries delivered. I don't even have to engage with people. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. Thank you. And so also in your videos, you really highlight like how life can obviously be very funny, yet very tragic at the same yeah. time. Tell us about how you use humor as a way to heal from traumas you've experienced. Yeah, I think that if you can make it funny, it's a good sign that you are on your way to healing. Not always like, is it healthy? Sometimes it's like a defense, right? But like, I think for me, enough time and enough distance from a moment, Mm -hmm. if I can kind of write about it in a way that feels funnier and lighter, I think that that's really healthy for me. And a lot of the things that's it's interesting is like the things that I talk about are not big moments. Like if you'll boil down the stories, usually they're like, I was nervous, like ordering a coffee or like I, you know, tripped and fell in front of my crush or like <laughs> I almost choked on a mozzarella stick or like you know, things like that, that like they really aren't like tragic in that way. But the way your brain processes things is can just feel like this is the end of the world. The catastrophizing. Yeah. And especially if you struggle with like social anxiety in any way, it's like you just make it so much bigger. And I definitely have had things in my life where I have 
it's like not funny and I can't joke about it. And that's like, you know, has to be a part of the story too. And you have to find ways to talk about it where if people only know you as the funny person, it can be hard to take a pause and be like, actually, this is what's going on right now. And I don't have time to make it funny yet because I'm going through it right now. Yeah, There has to be a place for that in your content. And I have found that not everybody wants to hear it. You know, I think that if you're known as being the funny person or a comedian, like people don't usually want to sit and stop and hear you talk about how like depressed you are. (laughs) And so it's very interesting kind of being stubborn in the aspect of like, I understand this might not be what you're wanting to hear, but I think it's just as important that I share the stuff that's funny and then not funny because that's what makes it feel more normal. And so it's been a fight for me to kind of like push back on that feeling of like, no one's going to want to hear this because it's not funny. And it's been healthy, I think, for me to learn how to do a balance of both. Yeah. You're like, you are going to hear this story, whether it's funny or not. (laughs) Yeah. Whether you want it or not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I think that too, like the way you process information can be funny, even if it's not like the way that, you know, something traumatic is happening, but you're really just focused on the fact that you accidentally wore two different socks. Like that's funny (laughs) because that's what happens. Like something big is happening and your brain just shuts down and is like, you know what? we don't have time or the capacity to deal with that. So we're just going to think about the socks. Like that's funny, but it's not, you know? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so obviously back to what we're talking about before your videos going viral, you have over 5 million followers on TikTok, which is just truly insane. Crazy. But you actually are like a fairly private person. So how has fame impacted your daily life and your mental health, because I mean, we all know what the comment sections look like on oh, TikTok, man. and not to say yours aren't bad, thankfully, yeah. um, or as bad as they can get. Definitely, but still, like I'm sure you, you know, even just like people not believing your stories, like that must feel really frustrating. Yeah, I think honestly, I will say like there's not a lot that really affects me in terms of people's beliefs about me just because I I am like lucky and that I'm very secure in who I am. And this kind of found me at a point in my life where I am a bit older, you know, like I, I'm just, I, I say all the time, I'm so grateful this didn't happen to me when I was 18 because I would oh, not boy. have had the emotional capacity and like the mental stability to handle this. Totally. So I think some of the natural like balancing all of it comes just with my age. But, you know, the thing that hurts the most, I think that I really have to protect myself from is because I am actively sharing everything as honestly as I possibly can. It's when people don't believe that I am who I say I am or have done what I've said I've done, or, you know, it's that, it's like that misunderstanding of who I am as a person. Those comments Mm -hmm. are the ones that really hurt me the most because you can't explain, you can't prove to somebody that you are who you are. You know, you can, you can be like, no, I, I don't have red hair. I have brown hair. Here it is. You can't like open up your yeah. soul to someone and be like, I'm not lying. <laughs> like, so that's <laughs> just the hardest part for me. And honestly, in terms of like handling all of the people seeing my life, like it's just a day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very ironic that me of all people are in this position because if you knew me before all of this, (laughs) I started getting my groceries delivered the moment it was an option because grocery stores give me panic attacks. And now (laughs) I can't go anywhere without people not knowing who I am. And it's beautiful. And I love that I get to meet people in public, but at the same time, it's a lot. I get so scared. And 
it just takes a lot of pumping up in the car, like putting on the like tunes, like knowing that everything I wear, people are going to see me in, you know, whether I literally just got done having a panic attack or not, people are going to see me in public. And like, it's just learning that as much as I am trying to be authentic and honest online, I have to continue doing that in real life as well. And so being honest, if like someone runs into me at a time that I can't talk, or if I, you know, just got done crying, like being honest about it and being like, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm so great. I'm so glad to meet you, but I am just feeling a lot right now and I have to leave. People respond really well to that. And they, I think they expect it from me, which is kind of nice. Like (laughs) people kind of expect me to be like on the verge of a mental breakdown 24 (laughs) seven, which is like a huge win in some ways and a huge not win in others. Mm, Yeah. But it's, it's a very interesting niche I've found myself in. And so, yeah, I think not diving deep in the comments, just staying up high where all of the people that really love you and and you follow and are like, will support you stay. Yeah. And then just releasing the pressure of like having to be perfect and feeling like you have to be any certain type of way online or in real life. And I think that the more that you can kind of make both the same, like being authentic, I think that that'll just release you from pressure of like always feeling like you have to have it all together or share the right story or stay viral. I don't know. It's a huge balancing act between having social anxiety and being famous. It's just very weird. It's a very weird combo. I would zero out of 10 would not suggest unless you're ready to like (laughs) overhaul your entire life. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine like, and I think even just like, you know, it's the having to be on whenever you're Mm. outside the house and that feeling of like, oh, you know, someone's going to not be happy with how you react. Yeah. And then they're going to like be on like Reddit or something like, oh my God, I met her today and she was, you know, she was standoffish or she didn't want to. Oh, I don't go on Reddit anymore. I don't go on that anymore. No, no, no. I deleted that off a long time ago. (laughs) It's, it's brutal. I've never been about Reddit and I know that it's, I feel like it's gaining popularity as a place for people to go and talk poorly about creators. Yeah. And that's really disappointing. It's something I love. It's like, I've always been on Reddit because I've, it's like the only source of information I've ever trusted because it's like an easily like crowdsourced, you know, place to go. But then I accidentally found, I like, I never searched myself and then my name showed up in my suggested like trending, not searchable in any way, like totally separate, like anonymous profile that I use for like the bachelor and all of that. But like, it just showed up as a trending topic and my name and I wanted to pass away. It was awful and people just weren't (laughs) about it. And I was like, I'm not about it. Like, (laughs) you think I want to be going through this? So I just like, yeah, I put my name as like a block key phrase and I'm like, I don't even want to be able to see it. So I stay real clear, but I do still browse The Bachelor on my computer. So if anyone's listening from The Bachelor, (laughs) you wouldn't know it, but I'm in there. (laughs) Yeah, I need to know, mostly for the spoilers. I just want the spoilers so bad and people go so deep. I'm like, I love this line of thinking. I love it. And I won't know if it's true or not until it happens, but I'm going to believe it until it doesn't happen. And I just have my tinfoil hat on and I'm in it. I'm here for it. (laughs) So off topic. Yeah. Bachelor Nation. (laughs) 
You guys are a are a particular breed. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah. But to continue on the social anxiety bit, because obviously the last few years have been quite intense with the pandemic and obviously like lockdown affecting so many people's mental health and who knows how this is even going to affect all of us like in the long run. How did those months of isolation and being in lockdown impact your social anxiety? Honestly, I think that it took any bit of like social awareness that I had and just lit it on fire and then threw it in a public trash can. Any amount of like social energy I could like muster up and like present back to people. I just feel like it wiped that clean for a lot of people. Yeah. And I just have heard that from so many people of like, I used to not like going out before, but now I'm actually terrified of it. And it makes my heart hurt because I feel like we're never actually going to get back to the place that we were before. I think that it's kind of changed the way that we do life forever. And I'm slowly understanding that. And I'm like, okay, there is no like normal anymore. We're just going to kind of, we've pivoted completely. And (laughs) I think that, you know, I I just think it's interesting. And I just, I am very curious to see the long-term effects of that on people's mental health and how we engage with people I even notice at parties, like if there's something I've been invited to with a large group of people, there's never that like, you know how like at a party there used to be like one big group of people all gathered together talking. I haven't seen that like at a, like at a gathering in so long. Now it's like a couple people just paired off. Like it's, it's totally changed the way that we engage with people in public. And so Yeah. It was positive for me in the fact that like I was just with my husband and it was me and him in the house. And it was as weird as it is to say, like in some ways it was great, you know, and then in some ways it was awful, but not with him, but like just the world was going on. It was awful. Right. But yeah, I think that in some ways it was great, but then I just found that I am, I lack a lot of social skills that I went into the pandemic with. So I'm, I don't know if I'll ever get them back, but it's okay. (laughs) We'll figure it out. You can work at it. Yeah. You can work at it. Yeah, we got this. But baby steps. Like there's yeah. no, I mean, luckily it's like, yeah, you you have the freedom to really like pick and choose like what you do, where you go. And so yeah. you can kind of make things a little bit easier for yourself. Totally. I think that that's one of the coolest side effects of everything that was going on now is like it kind of broke every idea of like what a normal day could look like or like what a positive like interaction would be in terms of like work and like what was a win and what wasn't. I just feel like now that we can work from home, you know, if you have that option or like you can do things virtually, like it's just, it's spread everything out so much. And that's what I love is like, I can have an assistant that's not even in my state. I get like, but you would never have thought that that would be possible before all of this. Right. That is one plus side of like, wow, I can do things from States away now. And it's not weird. It's just the norm. I know. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see that that it's changed the way we work forever. Yeah. I mean, you're in London right now. I know. And it's amazing it's crazy. that I could just be here and do what I need to do. Are you there forever? No, I've been here for three months and I'll be here for about like two more months. Okay. So it's for work. No, I just came to just like be here. I love that. And have a little bit of a break. I love that. You should do that all the time everywhere. <laughs> I know. I think that's so cool. It's been really nice. And actually, I was supposed to do this right after I quit my job. So I actually left my job at Harper's Bazaar six weeks before the pandemic hit. And 
five days after my last day in the office, I was on a plane and came to London and I was supposed to be here for about three months. But then because shut down. of lockdown, <gasps> I didn't want to get stuck here since my family's in New York. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? So this was my summer to like live out my dream. <laughs> You're doing it. Uh, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so cool. I have a colleague who is going to Paris for like six weeks or something and is just working there. She's a, a producer on the podcast that I'm launching and she is launching our podcast from Paris. And we just thought it was so cool that when you work from home and for yourself, you can literally just like do your job in like some of those beautiful places as long as you keep your hours. Like why right. not launch a podcast from Paris? Like, I don't know. Why not go to <laughs> London and work just because it's just, it's so, it's very cool. I haven't reached that level where I'm like, I could do this anywhere because I won't do, like I won't have fun. I will just like stay in my hotel room and I won't do anything fun. And then it's like a waste. So I need to learn how to like have a better balance when I'm out. For sure. I know. I was actually about to say, do you think like your social anxiety would be a little bit better like if you kind of picked up and went somewhere where you didn't know anyone but I'm like you have five million followers so people know you all over yeah. the world you can't escape no you would think that but honestly it's the fact that I'm like perceived by people that's like yeah. the issue and so it's hard like also the the aspect of being known everywhere is so wild but I think that if I were to go somewhere that wasn't the U.S. I, my audience is mainly like U.S. based and so I'd be curious to know what it would be like to go internationally and see if I were to run into anybody that knows me. Australia, for sure, because I have a big right. following in Australia since I lived there. But yeah, I think Europe, I, I pretty much no one would probably know me. They're like, who is this crazy American person? Like, no, thank you. I have to say I love UK TikTok. Oh, it's a whole probably other thing. It's so good. It's so good. Did you like the moment you landed? Did you get another side of TikTok? I don't know if it's really like the moment, but like you like within the first like couple days to week, like you can definitely see the shift. That's so wild to me. I know. <laughs> I had a, uh, another person, Jazz Thornton. I don't know if you heard her, who she is. She's a yeah. huge advocate for mental health. And she's like amazing. But she said the day she landed in America or the United States, she had my video pop up on her for you page, but never before that had she ever heard of me. And then she's like, you guys are just like keeping Elise Myers from me. Like, how dare you? But like, we just don't understand. Like for you pages are so different. Even if you're interested the same, like where you live affects it. I had no, I had no clue. I'm like, what am I missing? I need everything. Yes. <laughs> so now before I let you go, I want to ask you, you already mentioned your new podcast that's coming out. Yeah. What has oh that gosh. experience been like? What's it going to be about? Give us the scoop. Oh, man. It has been a wild ride. I could never have imagined how much work goes into creating a podcast when I hadn't done one yet. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. I signed myself up for it and realized very quickly this is probably going to be one of the hardest things I've ever created in my life. <laughs> and yeah, it's just been wild. It's been a huge tax like on my emotional like well-being, but then also the payoff uh -huh. is like so cool. It's good. It, I'm, I'm making it sound bad. It's really good, but <laughs> it's just because it's so different. I don't have anything to kind of compare it to. And that's awesome right. because it's so unique, but it's called funny because it's true. And essentially it's going to be me sitting down with um, like comedians, like pop icons, people I just think are really funny. And we'll be having a conversation about things that like happened in their life that might not be a, a huge 
story, but mm-hmm. are just so awkward or so funny that they just like constantly were like analyzing and the things that like they literally like can't fall asleep about because they're just like thinking about right. it. <laughs> so we'll be talking about those things and I'll, I'll find a way to relate a story I have in my life to kind of those moments. Mm-hmm. And I like pop in with like my inner thoughts. Like, so my, my, like a voiceover of, of what I'm thinking and feeling oh in the interview is happening within it. Oh, wow. so it's like, you feel like you get to kind of be inside my brain right. while the interview's happening. It's very, very cool. It's kind of like my own Lizzie McGuire moment. <laughs> and uh, I really love that for myself. And so every part of the process has felt like I am just climbing a mountain because it's also new, like writing a theme song that isn't a funny jingle that's just for TikTok, but like an actual theme song and learning how to interview people. It's just been kind of awesome and very hard. So it premieres the, I think the first episode's like the 5th of October and the trailer comes out tomorrow. And I'm just like, Ooh. oh, I'm so excited to share it with people. It's just, it's so good. I, it's hard to explain. It's like hearing a movie almost. So, so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I'm nervous. I don't know how you do this. <laughs> You're going to be fine. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Um, wait, also speaking of podcasts, I have to call out that you got a shout out on the Office Ladies podcast. <gasps> and I'm a massive Office fan. <laughs> well, then you should listen to my podcast because I think they're going to be on it. <laughs> I'm like dying. Oh my, I just got the chills, actually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I, I formed like a very bizarre, like parasocial relationship with Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher through kind of some like stuff back and forth with like them writing a book and me reaching out. And then now we just like talk and it's like, I honestly, I, every time I have a message from one of them in my inbox, I'm like, this isn't happening. This isn't real. (laughs) And I need you to know it's not real so that you're not disappointed when you wake up. And I just haven't woken up yet. So either I'm in a very vivid dream or this is real and it's wild either way. I mean, goals. Yeah, I can't believe Just it. the coolest, the coolest thing ever. That's like my anxiety show. Like when I'm like stressed or Same. just like I need to like come back to baseline. It's always about the office. Actually, I was on Hinge like what a week or two ago and I had something about the office in my profile. So a guy asked me who my favorite character was and I was like, Kelly and like Jim. And I, so I was like, who's yours? And he goes, ew, Jim is the worst. And I was like, oh my God, that is the biggest red flag I've ever heard. I literally unmatched him immediately. I have had a lot of people <laughs> recently tell me how much they hate Jim. And I didn't know people hated him. Me I can maybe understand, but I don't like, <laughs> I genuinely don't understand. He's kind of like a jerk sometimes, but it's like funny. I don't know. I didn't know people hated him until like two years ago. I was like, I've never heard of such a thing. Like, how can you hate him? And he was like, he's just kind of boring and like something. I'm like, Jim's not boring. You're boring. Bye. (laughs) So I'm like, this is never going to (laughs) work. I know. Yeah, no, that's a good weeding out process. Just like figure out who the best characters are in the office for people or who they identify with the most. And be like, no, I know everything I need to know about you. I'm good. Thank you. Good. Thank you. And thank you, Elise, for being here today. Oh my gosh, my dream, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you have a good one. You too. Bye. Thank you to the amazing and hilarious Elise Myers for coming on the show today. 
to speak her truth and show us the beauty in being authentic. We're here to provide access to mental health resources and support those who need it most. Make sure you're subscribed to I'm Fine, You. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review. Tell us what you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and this has been I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline, New York.